Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Hey, this is Pia Larson. Welcome back to Make Your Marketing Podcast. I am Pia, your host, and today I have the delight of welcoming Lee Lefevre, who I actually interviewed seven years ago for a masterclass, and he's agreed to come back because he has a great new book out that really piqued my interest, and you're going to want to listen in on it because it's for entrepreneurs and small businesses who are tired of like the massive hustle and want something better for their life. So Lee is definitely someone you're going to want to pay attention to because he's got some great tips for entrepreneurs. He is actually the co-founder of Common Craft. If you haven't heard of Common Craft, you need to learn about them because they're brilliant. He'll explain what that's all about. He has two books. He has Big Enough, which is his most recent book, and The Art of Explanation, which has been translated into eight languages. My goodness, that's great. Since 2007, Common Craft has won numerous awards, created explanations for the world's most respected brands, and created explainer videos that have earned over 50 million online video views. Today, Common Craft produces educational guides, ready-made videos, and visuals that are used by educators in over 50 countries. Wow, you really get around. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thanks thanks so much for having me back, Pia. I really it's yeah. really nice to be here. Yeah, I think you know we've been at it for a while. We started uh, making media and videos in two thousand and seven. So, oh my gosh, uh, we're we're going strong. <laughs> yeah, and you started the business with your wife Sachi, right? That's right. Well, I got started in 2003 as a consultant, and then she joined okay. in 2007. And that's when we started making videos and, and things got a lot better. <laughs> as her, her, her presence often does that. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of Common Craft, but for the audience who may not be familiar with them, can you just give a brief description of how you got inspired to start this business and what it's about? Yeah, for sure. So Back in the dawn of social media, you know, to the early 2000s, let's say, I was fascinated with social networking and blogging and wikis and really thought that it was a shame that there weren't people out explaining them in a way that normal people could understand. I wanted to explain it so that my parents could understand why a wiki was so fascinating. And that led us to start making these animated videos with paper cutouts on a whiteboard that we initially put on YouTube. And we called them, you know, technology name in plain English. And they are now known as the, the sort of first explainer videos of the YouTube era. And we became known as explainers and video producers and, and all the things that we never imagined that we'd be, we'd be called. Um, uh, we didn't have other any things, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I almost, I, I almost uh, said that. So, uh, yeah, we've been called a number of things over the years, but, uh, but, um, Suddenly, we were doing things that we never imagined we'd do. We didn't have an education in it. And the videos went viral, and we got a lot of attention. 
And we got a lot of business opportunities over time. And we slowly developed Common Craft into a, a business that doesn't operate conventionally, but does work for our lifestyle. And today, Common Craft is essentially a membership service where teachers and trainers and companies and universities become members of Common Craft to get access to our library of original videos and visuals. And that's, that's our awesome. main thing. We also teach people how to make their own explainer videos as well. Which is amazing. So the main reason I wanted to reach out and talk to you was the the, the big enough book. And we're going to get to that. But I encourage people who are listening to go check out Common Craft. Just the idea of these explainer videos is tremendous for your business. And I always tell my clients, video is super important to simplify and get to the point immediately because we all have digital mm -hmm. ADD. So the way that you have been explaining videos for so many years is brilliant. Before we leave the video topic, do you see, I'm sure the answer is yes, but do you see uh, a more need for this now during this age of so much going on online than ever? I mean, to capture people's attention, is it just crazy different from 2007? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's crazy different in a lot of different ways. Um, I think that the need for for clear explanations has probably been true since the Stone Age. Like we've always yeah. humans need that kind of thing. Making it easy in a video on you know in animations is a fairly new thing, but that need is always there. I think that we're probably living in a world with more information coming at us than ever before, and. If you really get interested in something, then an explainer video can kind of like get you get you really engaged in it, and uh, I call it like becoming a, cu a customer of that information. You start to look for it, look for more information once you once you understand it. You know, I I I think in the early days I really thought that what people needed to understand something was just to know the facts, to to be able to see the facts from a different perspective. And that's one of the things that's changed. I think I have a different perspective now that there's more that goes into someone accepting new information than, than just the facts. Yeah, especially because people resonate with story more than the facts, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are yep. storyboarding like you've done at Common Craft, it makes it a lot more digestible. Yeah, story is a big a big part of that. But, but also, I think part of what I'm referring to is that I'm, I'm referring to sort of the media, the media environment right now where um, yeah. facts aren't quite as powerful as they used to be. So there might be, we might have to find other ways to kind of get information to people that are not in the form of this is science or this is, you know, a leader saying something. Yeah, definitely. So you came out with a new book. It's been a year now, right? Over a year that you published yep, Big just Enough? A, just, yep, that's right. Just over a year. That's amazing. Um, so backstory, I, I was going through this kind of crisis in my own business and personal life where I, I was in an agency mastermind and my coach was like, you know, get to this point, get to this number, you know, keep on going, keep on going. And finally, I just was like, why? What's the point? And my CPA mm -hmm. was like, yeah, you can make more money, but you're going to pay more taxes and work sure. even harder. I mean, it just people around me were like, why, why, why? And then I came across your book and I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad someone had said something about it. So in a <laughs> nutshell, what is the book about? What was your inspiration and what is it about? Yes. Um, so the subtitle is Building a Business that uh, fits your lifestyle. And it's really about the idea that, you know, referring to your your mastermind and, and the need to 
grow, grow, grow. I think that that's an assumption that people have. Like, why would you be an entrepreneur? Why would you build a business if you weren't going to get as big and, and powerful as possible? And that's such a powerful theme and idea, especially in, in sort of the American business world, that you don't really question it that much. But I think more and more people are questioning it. And starting in 2007, you know, we built Common Craft to be an intentionally small company, to be just two people working from home, making media that we could sell on the internet. And um, we did that through establishing some constraints. And those constraints really guided us into business models that we might not have ever tried otherwise, because we chose not to have employees, not to have an agency, not to always take on custom client after custom client, and instead focused on licensing and using our intellectual property to earn a living. So that was a big, a big lesson. And kind of the theme of big enough is that, you know, entrepreneurship and having a company doesn't, you don't have to trade your, your happiness and your health and your lifestyle for having a successful company. And that's especially true if you start to redefine what success looks like to you, uh, that maybe it's not the bottom line, maybe it's having time and maybe flexibility and choice. Uh, that those things I think are powerful factors uh, in happiness that 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 can be accomplished through um, a business's design. Yeah, I love that that designing your own the perfect not perfect but the the joyful life. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think every entrepreneur is is faced with that growth mindedness. Like if I'm not hiring employees and I'm not you know having goals twenty percent higher each year, it's just not you know you're almost ashamed about it. Um, but so, so, yeah. so, so when you thought, well, you started in 2007 with this kind of idea that you wanted to have a lifestyle company, but mm-hmm. let's say you're talking to someone who's in the audience who, you know, they want to grow, but they want to do it intentionally. They want to do it where they can still fit in the time. What are some of the exercises they can start thinking about doing to craft this? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it, there are some tips and tactics and things, but I think a lot of it is also mindset and and thinking about what uh, what really matters to you. I think that values is is a big thing to think about. Um, one of the ways to think about that that I have in the book is, you know, we're we're taught that the the reasons that businesses exist, and this is mainly like big public companies, is to increase shareholder value, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's ultimately the goal. Uh, but for a lot of small businesses, one and two person businesses. Um, I think you can think about shareholder value in, in a different way where maybe, yes, I, I want to make more money. Money is, is powerful. It's useful. And I'm not against people wanting to make money. But in terms of a shareholder value or a stakeholder value, what else are you optimizing for? Is there something else that you can say, well, this company is designed to produce money, but also give me this. And mm. that is a way to think about, well, what are the business decisions that lead to that? And I like to also think about this question when, you know, when, when someone who is entrepreneurial thinks about business ideas, there's lots, maybe lots of ideas that come to them. And I think it's important to take a step back and think, what if it works? Like, if this idea works, then what does it look like in a year, in five years? Am I going to have to hire? Is there going to be competition? And asking what if it works gives you a way to think about like, okay, this might make money. But how is it going to impact my life? Like, how is, am I prepared to, for the trade off that my, I might, I might have to make in the future to make this work for a long time? Yeah, we're good at that. We're good at thinking of all these new <laughs> ideas and <laughs> it's like, let's do this. Let's do that. I think half the for problem sure. is that, that 50% of our time is coming up with all these new ideas and just like trying all these things instead of focusing on one or two, 
you know, things in our business yeah. and constraining yeah. that, that entrepreneurial brain. It's hard. I mean, I struggle with it still. I mean, I'm always, I always have new ideas and I always think they're going to be great. And the thing that has made common craft work over the years, aside from, you know, we had some early awareness that was really the, that really helped a lot, but mm -hmm. um, you know, we've been doing it since 2007 and I think there's a lot to be said for sticking to it, like not, not assuming that it's going to be successful initially, but sticking to it through it, through the the bad times just to, because, you know, not, I mean, you have to put in the work. I mean, I'm sure you know this, Pia, that, that nothing comes for free and it takes time and it takes effort and to not get discouraged too early because sometimes things take a while and you've got to be able to put your nose to the grindstone and kind of push through the times and the, the times where you feel doubtful because everybody feels yeah. that way. Yeah, we I, we actually started Fingerprint in 2007 as well, mm. and we're, we're still here 14 years later. Um, yeah, that's downs, awesome. But but um, and I, and I did try employees for a while, but it didn't mm -hmm. fill my my joy. <laughs> so we, yeah. we we have we have contractors, we have you know we have a team, but it's still small intentionally. Um, yeah. So some of the things from the book you you mentioned one of the takeaways you mentioned was learning how to use constraints to focus your business strategy. Can you talk more about that so we understand? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So around 2008 or 2009, we were uh, being hired by a lot of companies to make explainer videos that were custom videos. It was their property. You know, once they paid for the video, they went on their merry way and we could not make any money in the future. At the same time, we were continuing to make videos that we owned, like wikis in plain English. We were not paid to make. That was a video that was ours. And people started to ask, hey, can we license that video? Can we use that video in our network at work or in my presentation or whatever it is? And we thought, huh, well, they're basically asking for licensing and digital downloads. So we started to offer that as a product on the Common Craft website, which you could watch the video with a watermark and then download it for your use professionally. And that actually, to our surprise, worked better than expected. We sold the first video in a few hours. The revenue was comparatively tiny at the time, but we thought, ah, this is a model that could really work for us over time. If we can build up a big enough library and attract enough attention, we can, we can turn this into a business. So being a two-person business, we thought, like, something's got to give. We can't do all of this. So we had to think, like, what is... What does Common Craft want to be? What do, we, what do we want Common Craft to be? And the idea of licensing and passive income was really what we saw as the biggest opportunity, even though we had to take a pay cut. And that meant, okay, well, we, we need blinders. Like we need a way to focus. So we really sat down one night and started listing out the things that were going to be our constraints. And that meant we would never have employees. Like that would be a, a, a mm -hmm. rule. We'd not have employees. Mm -hmm. We would always work from home. So we didn't have a commute or office or the overhead that goes with that. You know, we would focus on this business and we would also, the, the licensing business as our main focus. And we would always be make choices according to happiness, lifestyle, and time. Like we would realize that that's, those are important things to us. And maybe some of the listeners can, can identify with this too. And maybe you too, Pia, you know, when you work with a significant other, you know, with Sachi, we work and live in the same house. If we make a business decision that hurts our relationship or our marriage, or we get into a situation where we feel trapped, then it's kind of like, what's it all for? Like, Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a risk. And we saw constraints as a way to avoid that. So that's the kind of our story of constraints. 
That's great. Yeah, I actually have started a couple businesses with my husband, and it's very it's very important to have those constraints in place and be on the same page. The mm-hmm. other takeaway that uh, you mentioned is to partner with the competition to grow your niche. What what does that look like? Yeah. When we first put those videos on YouTube, uh, it didn't take long for other video producers to pop up and say, hey, we make explainer videos too. And mm-hmm. uh, at first we thought it could be a threat, uh, but the fact was we were the first mover in that space. So we had a lot, of dev- a lot of leads coming to us on a daily basis. So we went out to them and said, hey, we've got an idea. You know, We've got a lot of, of leads coming our way. If you give us a monthly fee, We'll put a listing for your business on the Common Craft website. So we can just point people there when we can't service that demand. And they paid a monthly fee to be there. It was a few hundred dollars. And uh, at one point, we had up to nine producers on there. We called it the Explainer Network. And it went on for over five years and became a way for us to stay small. It was a flat fee, so we didn't have overhead of managing the business that much. And it allowed us to stay sort of in the middle of the industry. Like we were still the clearing, we were sort of a clearing house for explainer video producers uh, that gave us our first taste of, of income that wasn't related to, to making videos ourselves. And it was really, yeah. um, really surprised us and was really that's a helpful That's a great thing. idea. Yeah, that's a great partnership. For those of us, for those out there who are just starting their business or they're starting a new business, what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen being made these days for entrepreneurs? Yeah, that's a, that's short a good list. question. Short list. <laughs> yeah, short, short, short list. Well, I think in, in the context of big enough, I think that it is, how, how do I say it? Like assuming that what you want the business to be, it, it's really going to become like, I think that you have to have a realistic picture of what it takes to actually make the business that you want. That entrepreneurs, I, I'm guilty of it. I, you can ask my wife, Sachi. I am an undying optimist. I think that every idea is just going to mm-hmm. be amazing and people are going to line up. <laughs> and, and I, and my dream, my dreams are often crushed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, I think that people who are just getting started and people who are feel entrepreneurial sometimes think that they're going to be willing to trade that it's, it's an okay trade off to say, as long as I'm making money, I'm going to be happy. It doesn't matter what it does to my life or my health or my happiness, that the money is what really matters. And, you know, businesses need money. I mean, we all need money. But I think that one of the pitfalls is underestimating the degree to which a business can take over your entire life and not having any safeguards in place to prevent that or to protect space so that uh, you can still see your family. You can still do things in your life that make you happy because, that is a factor of a, of a successful business is it can take over your life. And you might look back and say, I made money, but I didn't do anything else. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you have intentional ways of how you, how your day unfolds and your week and your month, um, because you, you do want to include time for walking your dogs or being with your <laughs> wife or, you know, the yeah. things that... <laughs> We're doing this all for. So are there any tips around that and kind of organizing to fit all those pieces together? 
Um, you know, one of the things that I do is really try to uh, to focus on one thing at a time and not be doing mm-hmm. a lot of things at once. I feel like if I do three things together, then maybe I'm doing them at 75% each. Whereas if I'm focused on one thing, then I can maybe do 100%. I mean, that's probably not, uh, not, not totally reasonable, but uh, I, I yeah. do like like today is this day. Tomorrow is a different day, but today I'm doing yeah. this thing. I'm going to do it as best I can and, and try to cut off all of the distractions. Yeah, that's great. A friend of mine, she's an organizer. She says, multitasking makes you stupid because <laughs> literally <laughs> your brain is functioning on half, you know, totally firing half. So yep. I know that totally. you, um, you moved out of the Seattle area to a beautiful Island in the Northwest and you built a house, right? And then you built, are that's you building right. another house or how far are you into the another house? Oh no. Well, we, um, yeah, we bought a property that had an old house on it that we, uh, have since built a new house on. Okay. Uh, that we just moved in. We just moved in in May. And uh, that's actually my next project I, I, that I'm really excited about is, um, you know, building, building a house is a very complicated, worrisome process. Yep. And I wish that there were yep. better resources for me when we were doing it. So I want to create that resource. I want to explain what happens in a, in the process of building a house so that maybe others out there doing it can feel more confident about it. The website's called the, the livable house. Um, yeah. and it's, it's about livability and how to work with the professionals to, to, to have a house that, uh, that fits your lifestyle. So it's still kind of the big enough idea. It's a, it's a business model because it's in the form of an online course. It has a lot of explanations, which is my specialty. Mm-hmm. And it's about something yeah. that I'm passionate about. I think that's my, perspective as an author and um, an entrepreneur is I often have experiences like doing common craft videos and building a business, which is my first two books. And then now having gone through the house project, this is my, my next adventure. Yeah. It's fascinating. I was reading all your blog posts and just seeing it unfold. And I was actually mm. following, you had like a, a roundhouse at one point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was the house that was originally on the property. It was a fifteen-sided yeah. house that. Uh, yeah, and I saw some was, video of you like tearing something down. I'm just like, oh my god, what is he getting into? <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a big it project for you. It was a yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot to a lot to go through, but it was really fun. It was strange to do it and publishing big enough during the pandemic. That was um, a ch- added a little bit of a challenge factor to that whole thing. But uh, yeah, and I bring I bring it up because you're this is your passion project. You're you built this this house, and you know you're able to because life is not just about running your business. It's about doing mm-hmm. passion projects and doing things that excite you. But mm-hmm. you, you said that you did the book during the pandemic. Was it, did the pandemic come first or the book idea come first? Oh, the book idea came first. Okay. Unfortunately, I, I would be, I think mean, writing a book during the pandemic is probably not too bad, but marketing a book during the pandemic was harder. And I, I felt a little bit uh, self-conscious about it. I didn't want to really be pushing anything during all that. So uh, I'm actually going to make another run at, at getting the word out about Big Enough. So I really appreciate you having me on to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, of course. It. Well, I just think uh, because we are all awakening to realization of, is this it, right? I mean, when the dust is settling, it's not over. But when the dust is starting to settle, we're like, mm-hmm. well, do I really want this job? Do I really, do I want to start a business? Do I want to work for someone? Do I want employees? Do I want to travel? Mm-hmm. Do I want to work virtually? Like all these, it couldn't have come out at a more opportune time. So that's why I was curious yep. if some of that was felt in the beginning when you start writing the book already. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think that when we started, we had the idea for the book. I think we, we felt like that we had sort of stumbled into this magical combination that allowed us to have a successful business and a lifestyle that was fulfilling for us. But we felt like we were the outliers and that we had to sort of like show people the light. And I think that recently the people are seeing the light, not through anything that we've done, but through the great resignation and through this mm-hmm. upheaval and, and people thinking about their lives and their employment, mainly from the pandemic. I like to think that that we maybe we were a little bit early in that. And, and now people are going to discover uh, the big enough as a resource for, uh, for, you know, finding your way through that. Yeah. It's interesting because you guys have been working from home the whole time, you know, since 2003, yeah. 2004. Yep. And so, so have I, um, I had a, I had an office for a brief moment and then, you know, it's almost like the walls and boundaries have fallen down. Like now you can work mm-hmm. from anywhere. So I'm actually yeah. in Florida right now, um, oh. <laughs> working part time. And then I'll go back to Seattle and work when the sun comes back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a snowbird, because- rainbird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's exactly what you're talking about in the book. It's like, how do I want my my life to look like? And it's like, I need sun. <laughs> so I can't sure. do the Seattle yeah. winters, right? That's that's one of those things that like, if yeah. you that could be a shareholder value, you know, it's like yeah. location, I want my business to, you know, produce value in the form of me having a choice of where I live on a seasonal basis. Yeah, absolutely. So I understand that people can download the first chapter for free. Where can they find that and download it? Yep. The URL is bigenough.life. Awesome. And then we'll also attach it in the uh, show notes. Anything else you want to share that we have not talked about or I might not have touched on? <laughs> if you really want to get to, to know me, I do a personal email. It's not doesn't have an agenda. It's not selling anything called Ready for Rain. Uh, that's at my website, lelafever.com. So if I, I enjoy, I'm sending out an issue tonight. Um, awesome. That, uh, that, you know, if you're interested in having something that's not, not, news not links not uh not tech tech it's just (laughs) i know right um it's just about my life on this island out here in the pacific northwest and and learning to to have a different lifestyle here yeah that's amazing well thank you for the book it's um i'm gonna read it i have it i'm just gonna read it um i need to make time more time in my life to read good books (laughs) i know how it feels Yeah, I really appreciate it. And of course, uh, pleasure talking to you again. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Pia. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website, for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, you can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. Email me at pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening. Listening.